Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's going on, everyone? This is Tyler Dunn from Go Long at GoLongTD.com. I think you're going to love this podcast today. Just a great conversation with Jim Monas about all things NFL free agency, <laughs> how, how the good stay good, how the bad stay bad. We dive pretty deep in the Buffalo Bills and their decision-making, and we look at the other end of the spectrum with what the Chicago Bears have done, what the Las Vegas Raiders have done. It's not so good. Uh, definitely be sure to rate and review our podcast. Uh, however, wherever you listen to the Go Long podcast, we greatly, greatly appreciate it. And you can always hit us up on Twitter, email, let us know what you want to hear, and, and let me know what you want to read at Go Long. Obviously, want this to be a community as interactive as possible. I cannot thank everybody enough for subscribing these past couple weeks with our Hoodie and Cruise sale. Just want to let you know as well, we're going to keep that rolling. Still have a lot of swag to give away. Uh, feel free to reach out and let me know if you'd like to purchase a hoodie. And obviously, when you subscribe... At the annual rate of 70 a year, you will get one on the house. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening, for subscribing. However you consume Go Long, it means the world. And we also have a story up today on Kenny Moore with the Indianapolis Colts. Really opened up on everything he went through in New England, the worst four months of his life, depressed, hated going to work every day, and now in a fantastic place with the Colts. Loving every minute of it as one of the best defensive playmakers in football. So hopefully you uh, are able to check that out and be on alert for more draft profiles to come. We got Vince Williams on the Go Long Zoom happy hour tonight. If you're catching this in time, um, thanks everyone. Hope you enjoy the podcast. What's going on, everyone? This is Tyler Dunn here with Jim Monas. Another episode of the Go Long Podcast. We are live at Hamburg Brewing Company, baby. It is popping here. We got a lot of people, a lot of Hoptimonium in the air, a lot of Louie in the air. If you want to drink a little beer, if you live in or around Western New York, this is where you got to be. I don't say it lightly. It's March Madness, and I could not wait to get back to drink the Hoptimonium. I've been thinking about it since I was on a little little trip for a couple weeks, traveling around, visiting some family, but it never feels better than we're sitting here at Hamburg drinking these Hoptimoniums, and I think we all know the podcast seems to be a little better once we get these going a little bit. One or two of these, and we start it starts to flow a little bit better. 
then we really start getting the truth out of you, Jim. Then we, re- we, we really get the dirt on what happens behind the scenes. I mean, people are going to get that anyways. All right, let's You're a transparent dude. I wanted Mahomes. I want to take it all back. <laughs> Just kidding. You and Sean were actually in a fight for the death that day. For uh, We all love Mahomes. McDermott hated him. No, that's not true. <laughs> but, hey, that does lead us into – the quarterback news yes, of the day. Yes, yes. And as everybody knows, I mean, the, the foundation of our listeners for this podcast, I really feel like are Buffalonians, whether they're in Buffalo or not. And we got to start with the Bills. It's been very productive, I'd say. Um, first week to free agency, uh, keeping their own Matt Milano and offensive line. Right, right. I mean, you go right down the list. Daryl Williams, Micah Hyde. I know we hit on some of this last week, but um, this week they did exactly what you said they should do, Jim. Well, I'm a big believer, and this is how I was brought up in the business, but the teams that have to reach and spend and overspend in free agency, it's you're holding your breath if you're those teams. It's, I don't want to say it's desperation, but it comes across that way sometimes. When you're a good football team, the Bills were in the AFC Championship last year. So what do they do? Let's why break it up? Let's keep it together. Let's keep let's keep the right side of the offensive line together. Let's keep Milano if we can. And we, we talked about this that they're going to have to get creative, and they have. Yep. And they keep these guys. And we brought up, you know, it was a concern of mine was, hey, you have a you have a team in place that can make a run at a Super Bowl, but what if Josh gets hurt in, in for four games, four games, six games? Can Matt Barkley go two and two or three and three in those games? I don't think he could. The Bills didn't either. They move on from him and get a guy in Trubisky who, to be honest, he's an ideal backup right now. And yeah, he wants to start again in the league, so he's gonna take this year and figure things out. But he was a he was a missed field goal away from winning a playoff game as a starting quarterback. He was wrongly benched by the Bears this year when they were three and zero, and they take him out in the middle of a game. And don't even let them finish. And their season went, you know, went to hell after that almost because Foles wasn't good Shit, enough. You can say it. Fine, it's a podcast. And here's a guy that is, he can win football games in this league. Now, is he a franchise quarterback where they drafted him? No, he is more of a backup in my opinion, or a bottom of the tier starter type guy. But I thought that was a home run for the Bills today getting Trubisky. They're very familiar with him because we spent time with him. Everything you know about him is he's a really good leader. He works hard. You're not going to have to worry about him. He's not trying to outdo anybody. He is a team guy. They're go- it's going to fit right in with everything they want culture-wise. Um, just really impressed with what the Bills have done. And they're setting themselves up. They kept the team together. And now they can go draft best player. And I think we talked about this as well, but it shows you that they do still have belief in these guys on the D-line that they've drafted. They're gonna, they, they must see, you know, maybe they see those guys getting better coming up in year two, year three for some of these guys, and, and we'll see how they draft and, and what they go after. But really, really um, admire what they've done and not overspending like their division rivals, the Patriots. Who we'll get to at length in a, in a little bit. Um, just to add on Trubisky, he's one player I feel like I've gotten to know on a, on a personal level a little bit um, the last few years. And I don't know, maybe it doesn't mean anything, but you're not going to find just a better dude in the NFL. No. You know, he's an unbelievable human being. I mean, really, he's the kind of guy that would just, talk, you know, meet a random stranger and have an hour-long conversation. I mean, he's got a big heart. He, he's genuine. He's sincere. We first met up in Mentor, Ohio, before the draft. You know, at the time, it was like, who is this random Mitch, Mitchell Trubisky that's ranked number one in this quarterback class and all these. I think people just wanted to know more about him. It's really interesting to get to know him for a story at BR then. And then uh, a year into Chicago, we got together like a breakfast spot um, just outside of Chicago. And uh, he, he was probably, he, he was, he kind of called that next year. I mean, he had a great year with that defense making the playoffs. Look at that kicker makes that field goal. Who knows what happens? And he was really, really good. And then things just kind of went off the rails you know, is he Patrick Mahomes? Is he Deshaun Watson? No and no, obviously. But I think that there's still some promise there. I'm not ready to give up on this guy as a player. And he was completely mismanaged last year by the coaching staff. I mean, to to yank him at that point 
what was it, a game and a half into the season? Maybe game three or two. It might have been. It might have been. It was yeah. early. Um, it's against Atlanta, I believe. Almost oh, right, but yeah. Right. Ridiculous. Just ridiculous to, to give up. I mean, I mean, it made no sense. I mean, Nick Foles was in the lineup for two months, and they couldn't move the ball past midfield. We saw what we saw what Dable has done with you know and Josh Allen's improvement. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that Trubisky has struggled with over these last couple of years, when you watch him on tape, is his accuracy. He makes guys work too much. My biggest knock on him is I thought he made too many easy throws look hard. He's a really good athlete with a really good arm, really tough. Like this guy has talent, and. If he gets better under Dable, and not that, you know, for Bills fans, you hope you never see him play. But well, we're teeing up a quarterback controversy, though, here, Tim. No, Tim, we're not. Jim, we are. I think, I think, it, I think it is. I, we're not, and, you know, that's a good one. But it's, <laughs> it's going to be perfect for Trubisky. You hope you never see him. And for his sake, you hope he comes out of this saying the Bills either give him a nice long, hey, we want you as the long-term backup, and he might want to stay. Or another team might say, hey. I wonder what he's learning in Buffalo. What may we'll take a chance on him to compete for a starting job, you know, in the future. And you just don't know. But it it also says something about Trubisky. It was at a one year, two and a half mil. I think I saw. That says something about Trubisky. He wants to he wants to go to a team that is run correctly under an incredible offensive coordinator and sit back for a second and just say, hey, let me see if I can get better myself. And uh, I'm, I'm a, I think it's just a great move for Buffalo. And I just really like how they haven't going crazy in free agency. They haven't they haven't felt that pressure that everybody wants them to make that splash. And it's hard when you're in those when you're in this time and it feels good to you know that term win the press conference and win that win that day one of the like the Patriots. You know we're all talking about the Patriots. We're not going to be talking about the Patriots if Cam Newton plays the way Cam Newton played last year. He wasn't very good, and I don't know if he'll ever be back. That I don't I think his health is gotten the best of him and we all know i love we all love cam newton the guy was you know he is that great of a player but he's not that guy anymore so all these moves they're making if cam newton's the same guy they're not going to be any better now i don't know if they're going to draft a guy and plug and play a rookie that's you know we don't know that yet with the draft coming but anyway i just don't like the, the overspending and trying to make splash moves when you don't have to hey we were in the afc championship last year if you're working for the bills we don't need to get crazy we're fine we know we're good enough. What they're doing is they're loading up on offense. Yeah, Captain Emmanuel together. Sanders. Let's, let's talk about that. I mean, here, there's another playmaker you just added to an already lethal offense. And I think we all know we want that. They want better tight end, and maybe the draft provides that. We don't. I don't know. Zach Ertz, or if Ertz comes through. So anyway, I just really think the Bills are in a good place uh, where they want to go, what direction they're in, and they're not panicking. Totally agree on everything that you said, Jim. I think that offensively to keep the pedal to the metal is is huge. I mean, they have to just keep constantly replenishing the talent around Josh Allen. If you believe in Josh Allen, which they do, and they're going to pay him a lot of money very, very soon, then you better just keep these weapons coming through the door. I mean, I think Emmanuel Sanders is an upgrade over John Brown. Agreed. Better route runner. 100% agree. About the same price, if not a little cheaper. What did John Brown get with the Raiders? Like... Either way, what you just said is such a great point. The route running is such a hard thing to do. Yeah. And Sanders is so good at it. And to add that to their team right now, they, they have guys that are uncoverable. Diggs is a route runner. Beasley's a route runner. These guys are route runners. Yeah. Davis now, who's not a great route runner, he's okay. But Davis has more size and you know does some other stuff yeah. that those guys can't do. Their mix of receivers is just – it's. If you're a quarterback, if you're Josh Allen, you're just smiling right now. I think it's the best in the NFL. I think they have the best top four in the NFL. You have a a legit number one, and then find three better than those three, you know, Davis, Beasley, and and, um, Sanders. And Sanders, you think back to that Super Bowl against the Chiefs. I mean, he's immortalized as a hero if Jimmy Garoppolo can just get him the ball. I mean, Kyle Shanahan draws up the perfect play. In that moment, with the Super Bowl on the line, and, and Garoppolo can't hit him, he's open, he's there, and it's, it, it's a couple yards long. And that's the, it's crazy those types of plays, how they just change guys' careers. Oh. And 
how you're thought of, and you know nobody's nobody was even talking about Emmanuel Sanders no, this week. No, and the Bills just signed him. One of this, I mean, they get Sanders and Trubisky as a backup. Think about I that mean, Saints offense too, Jim. We we were hitting on Breeze last week, but you know that Chiefs game. I remember he had a a deep completion down the right sideline to, to Sanders, but man, he had to wait for that ball. Like, it was <laughs> it was kind of sad to well, watch. Well, I think we I think our last pod we talked about Breeze. It, it was time, and, yeah. and you know I'm I'm glad he did the right thing. You know I I still think Ben Roethlisberger should do the right thing and walk away, but hey, Breeze did the right thing for that franchise, and it's good to see. But yes, Coach Payton loved Sean Payton loved Sanders coming out of the draft. I remember that Oregon State, and he loved him because he was a route runner who catches the ball. And that's an easy place for an uh, offensive-minded coach to find a guy. Those guys are hard to find. So you upgrade their receiver. Yes. You know, I know the Bills fans, they, they loved this team so much. They were so attached to John Brown. You could feel a lot of fans' and pain, good, and I get good it. Player. Good player. Right. That, that's a sign of a, of a really passionate fan base. But you, you did upgrade there. A lot of fans felt the same way about Matt Barkley, who was not very good. You upgraded there. Upgrade. The only question I have, Jim, is, and all this is just trying to be devil's advocate again, I just wonder, like, that money, um, Darrell Williams, good player, Feliciano, Matt Milano, could he have used that money to address pass rusher, a dude that can get after Patrick Mahomes? Look, there was some crazy money thrown around there. Leonard, Leonard Floyd with the Rams. I mean, that was, gosh, I wish he had right, 65 mil, five years, something like that. Rams better win a Super Bowl. A lot of money. They went all in with Stafford and Floyd, and they're they're all in right now. Judon got a lot of money. Um, Unique and Gakwe was kind of reasonable, about thirteen a year, two years, I think. Maybe some concern over him being on four teams in seven months. Yeah, there, there's something there because you don't guys that are great pass rushers right. don't usually bounce around like that, and and so there must be a little more headache, and we might know we're not at those buildings, but I'm with you. I, I think the Bills. I think we need to wait and let this play out, let the mm-hmm. draft play out. Let's see what else they're they, – they, Totally. They are proven that they're they're not panicking. And they might have some guys that they're going to bring in this second wave here that's going to yeah. start a free agency. We were real big on the second wave too. Like, let's – hey, second wave, you can get some really good players. And maybe they have somebody that they're excited about on the D-line. We'll see. Or they believe in the guys they've drafted. And they see development, and they see more than we see. Maybe AJ Epinesa. Maybe they think this guy is going to be a star. At Oliver, maybe they Ed saw. Oliver. Maybe they thought he showed up a little bit more. You know, later in the season, maybe they see him coming up better, better. So, if that's the case, a credit to them. They're the ones evaluating, and you got to trust them because they they've proven right so far. What is your uh, favorite free agency memory, and what is your least favorite? So free agency? you know, for me. It, the only free agency um, that I ever was a part of was with the Bills. I wasn't a part of free agency with the Saints or the Eagles. I was a college scout. So it was all with the Bills. And I can tell you that we were pretty excited about that year. And none of these guys were superstars. And we didn't. And we knew this. I mean, we just thought we had some really good players. When we got Booby Dixon, Brandon Spikes, uh, Keith Rivers was okay. Chris Williams was a complete flop because of his back. He never even really played. Um getting one more guy from that class but we thought we did a nice job with that class um and they, they played well for us you know for the money we paid them we were happy about that the, the 14, gets, right? that was the 14 yeah. you know we just thought we did a nice job we didn't overspend now i will tell you when i when it got fun was the shady mccoy trade the percy harving signing stuff like that that was my that was the rush that was when okay now we're starting to throw some names in here. Now we're getting some playmakers. And I was so – we talked about Percy Harvin before, but it was like I couldn't believe we had per- – like I'm looking at this team like we have Shane McCoy, we have Percy Harvin, we have these guys like I, – I didn't think we could be stopped. But you can always be stopped if you don't have the quarterback. So that was – you know, for us, we were – like I always said, we are beating our heads into the wall. But – to get guys like that in trades and free agency, that's a rush. Like you go to, you, then you're going into the draft saying, "Let's just keep, let's get who we love, who's the best player, and let's take him." McCoy. I know we've kind of danced around it a little so, bit, but let's yeah, get into let's that. get into it. It was yeah. a really cool. So it was. I can remember we were down. So we had just hired uh, Rex, and the staff came on. We're down at, in the uh, West Palm Beach with the Pagulas, getting ready to have a our off season meeting on their yacht. Um, Anthony Lynn. Rex Ryan, Greg Roman, 
Uh, Danny Crossman was the uh, special team coordinator, and Dennis Thurman was the deco- so those were the coaches there, and Doug Whaley, myself, and the Pagulas. And you know that morning there were some rumors going around about McCoy, and and that morning Doug and I kind of were like, you know, is it even like possible? You know, we didn't really talk too much about it. like this is interesting. But we get a call from the Eagles. We're sitting. Doug and I are sitting on the top level of the Pagulas. So we're sitting on the top of the Pagula's yacht, and we're taking a little break. And we're just sitting there. This is when it gets – this is when I feel guilty that I had this job because it really was – you feel like this is – we're working right now, but we were. I mean, we were – it was intense. They were – they are intense kind of meetings. I mean, you're really trying to set the, you know, foundation of how you want to build this thing with a new staff. But we get Doug sitting there. He goes, oh, Howie Roseman. You know, season on sale. I'm like, ooh. So, okay, gets the call, and – all right, so we just kind of, he gets off the phone, he said, Shady's available. And, well, what do they want? You know, they, we throw out Kiko. Well, that's it? Okay. I mean, it literally was Rex, Coach Lynn, you, Greg Roman, Thump. Yeah, let's go. Let's do it. I mean, that trade got done so fast, so easy. They were ready to make that move. And we were too. Like we wanted, you know, we wanted a guy like him, a dynamic running. Because when you don't have the quarterback in place, you feel like you have a good defense. Well, now Anthony Lynn and Greg Roman, they love running the football. Like they do love running the ball. So let's get Shady McCoy, and let's take the pressure off the quarterback a little bit. We had the receivers. I mean, we were loaded. We were loaded at every single position on that offense except for quarterback. And. I mean, the rest was history. Shady was awesome and, and really was, you know, like we talked about, it, it took some time for him to buy into it because he you had, had to kind of talk him into it. Well, not really. Right? You, you, you just had to give him time to get excited. He had his heart broke. I mean, he was playing for the team he wanted to play for. He was playing, yeah. he was from Harrisburg, PA. He loved the Eagles. You know, he wanted to play for the Eagles. And he had his heart broke. He's a superstar. Those guys aren't used That's to. That's at the not, peak of his career, right not there. Want, yeah, they, they're used to being wanted, not not being wanted, and that's hard to take. So I think once he, you know, kind of is like, okay, gut punch, let me come back a little bit. But I mean, he handled it. How much time like did professor. that take? Oh, like, when the trade went down until he was we, like, okay, Buffalo. We couldn't get a hold of him real quick. Really? Yeah. Like the entire day. A couple days. It took some time. We really? were, we were. It took some time. It took a couple days for him to really just understand what happened and get he, over. He something. wouldn't even like answer his phone. Well, we were dealing with his agent. I mean, it, yeah. His brother was it. His, his brother Laron was um, helping us out, saying, "Hey, he just needs a couple days here. Everything's fine." It's kind of what I was telling I you. Like Laron. Laron's a good guy. Yeah. Scouted him at IUP in Pennsylvania, Did you really? Division Two receiver. Really He's, good. He got drafted by the Cardinals. That's right. He played in the league for a little bit, and he became. Here's what's funny is he became really good friends with Anquan Boldman. He played for the Cardinals. Yeah. And he switched. He ended up having Drew Rosenhaus as his agent, and that's how Shady had Rosenhaus. And that's how they got Rosenhaus, though, was through Boldman. So really, it was really cool. But, yeah, LaRon was, you know, LaRon was oh, really up to talk to him all the time. Good I mean, he guy. He had so many Shady stories oh, back he's the in best. the day. Like, LaRon's the best. Like Shady not talking to him forever because he beat him in a race. LaRon could like, beat him straight line speed. Oh, yeah. Yeah, LaRon didn't, yeah, obviously. But, yeah, he was, LaRon was a good player. I mean, he was really good. But, anyway, it was just funny how it all worked out. And, luckily, he communicated with us. And we knew everything would work out. We just were, we were so excited, you know. But it goes to show you the difference between Buffalo back then and Buffalo now. Yeah. Now you got Emmanuel Sanders, you got Trubisky, you got guys, um, the offensive lineman for Bills, Milano probably could have t- 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 probably took less than if he went on the market because yeah. they want to be here. The culture has set like you're a good team, and this is what happens when you're not a good team and you get traded to Buffalo like Shady did. It's like you think you're going, your career's over. And Shady, you know, I mean, he played in an offense where Greg Roman and Anthony Lynn, I always thought, did a great job. I mean, he was I mean, he was unbelievable. He was. What a story. I mean, yeah, it's, it's just, you know, it's nuts. You're right. It always comes down to the quarterback. And that same offseason, I mean, you guys had a press conference for Matt Castle, right? That was a hand-picked guy. And well, you don't really know. Going into that training camp, I mean, it was a pretty open three-way competition, right? And this is where this is where it gets tricky. But you know, you have Greg Roman, the offensive coordinator, really wanted Matt Castle. We, as a personnel staff, did not. Um, we thought he was shot as a player. Like we just didn't see the value in him coming in and being a starter. And and so what we did 
was we were fortunate enough that we wanted Tyrod Taylor. Rex Ryan wanted him. We wanted him. And Tyrod, and this is a credit, it tells you a lot about Tyrod, but he could have gone to Denver for more money probably, you know. But he said, hey, I think I can win that job. And that's Tyrod's whole mentality. I mean, and he did. He came in, and it was an open competition. And was Greg Roman upset about it? Yeah, he was a little bit. You know, but Rex, Rex as a head coach, made that decision. And obviously he had our backing and the Pagula's backing. We all kind of were like, if we were voting, going around the table, which you do a little bit, and we all voted Tyrod. You know, it was – and Greg Roman, to his credit, hey, that's how it works. And now let's roll. Let's win with Tyrod. I will give that. I will give Greg Roman credit for that. As far as let's do it. But yeah, he wanted Matt Castle and Castle and Hackenberg. It's a hey, double whammy. Like I tell you, we all miss. And, and yeah. I'm not afraid to admit my misses. And and I think I think that's something everybody should always talk about. Because if you can't talk about it, honestly, it's almost like etiquette stuff. Like we talked about in that last pilot. I don't even want to be around. Blown plenty of smoke up people's asses and stories that ended up right. You know backfiring so yeah it happens it happens yeah. and if you can just own it and learn from it and Tyrod was just and it's cool to see him go to Houston with Cully yeah you know yeah I know they only had well, I'm sure he wasn't a fan of that offense you know well like, I mean they made the playoffs I guess but it was very I was I'm, it Dennis it was maybe Dennison and Cully it, it was a good team I mean that team was pretty good and you know it, Tyrod with Tyrod is it, he is so his career is kind of fascinating. It is. Think that, to think that here he was starting for the Chargers and no fault of his own gets that crazy injury with the trainers shooting him up wrong and done just like that. Yeah. And the guy that replaces him, obviously, now this is Tyrod's credit. Obviously, he knew that they wanted him to play at some point. Like they didn't take him where they took him not to sit behind Tyrod. But. He didn't get this whole year to prove himself. And, and the Texans, obviously, you know, Cesario, the GM, saw Tyrod, you know, when we played him in the Patriots. So there's a level of respect there. Cully obviously knows him. So for Tyrod, I think what a great fit. What Houston might be a great fit. And he might get a shot because now Houston could say, okay, now we got a guy. Now we can trade Deshaun and, and set ourselves up for the future and get draft. Because they need it all. They need draft picks. They need caps. They need it all. Right. So... I think for Houston, nice job. Like, see what they do. We still have to see what happens with Deshaun, but I mean, we can't gloss over that. Let's hit on that <laughs> quick, Jim. I mean, it's uh, it's really weird to talk about trade scenarios and football and anything happening in a game when you've got some pretty serious allegations like this. You know, my first reaction was, what? Like, I I've talked to a lot of people around Deshaun Watson and feel like I know him, you know, about as well as you can in my position, and you won't hear a bad word said about this guy in any setting, but now it's, I think it's up to nine accusers. Obviously, people can read the details for themselves. It's not pretty. It's awful. Um, I think it's hard to for anybody, I think, to have an opinion one way or another on this, right? To say, this this person's right, this person, like, let's let it play out. It's okay to hit pause and just let let it play out, but this should be taken seriously. These allegations are very detailed and not good. And there are football ramifications here when it comes to that. And I guess my question for you, Jim, as somebody who was in a NFL front office for a long, long time, does this impact um, trade value? I mean, how does this apply to football? Because it's happening right now. I know you've got to let this process play out. But in terms of what do you do with Deshaun Watson, the player, if you're the Houston Texans, it, it would probably happen relatively soon, and it sounds like they're ready to move him. The conspiracy theory, right, is how does this happen right now, right? How does this get leaked now, or why is it coming out now? And like you said, this is so hard to say. It, you know, when there's this many cases and this many people coming out, is it really a setup? Hard to think. But if you're another team that's interested in him, you have now hit pause. You pause. You're handcuffed. This is this is a terrible time for this to come out. And I don't know how quickly it gets resolved. 
that's the part we don't know because you can't make a trade for him right now. You can't. It was just like that Lyle Collins, uh, the LSU offensive tackle that we talked about that we were going to draft in the seventh round from LSU, you know, and the Cowboys got him. But how can you draft him if you don't know if you're even going to have him as a player? How do you sit there at a press conference in front of your city? How do you do it? And celebrate this. Can't until you know because he may end up not. So, you know, it, this story is just, it's, I guess the NFL, it's never shocking what comes out and what could happen, any sport really. But You said it last week, nothing yeah, shocks nothing, me with this league. Nothing. nothing. This is the absolute last headline nothing. I expected to see come across, you know, Twitter, what was it, two nights ago. It's unfathomable. And nothing can shock you. I mean, I mean, two days ago, everybody was convinced the Bears were getting Russell Wilson, and they are now having a press conference where Andy Dalton is sitting at the Bears press conference saying he's there because they said he's going to be the starter. First of all, he should have to earn a starting job. I don't care who he's competing against. Secondly, that's your that's your backup plan? You were ready to go for Russell Wilson, and you're ending up with Andy Dalton as your starter? I mean, that's why it's it's that it's that fine line of, Home run, Russell Wilson, to, wow, what are we doing? Like, what do you think the Bears' defensive players are doing right now? Do you know how excited they were the last couple days? Are we getting Russell? Are we getting Russell? No, we're not, but don't worry, guys. We got we got the we got the red rifle coming. Don't worry. <laughs> red rifle was, I mean, that guy is a tough, awesome, good backup quarterback right now. You know, yeah. bottom bottom tier starter. You're not you're not getting your you're not getting your goal. And if you're Ryan Pace, GM, and Matt Nagy, the head coach, who you could have been fired this year, and the ownership gives you another year, yeah, and this is what you're showing them, Dalton, you know, hey, but the ownership hey, seems pretty distant there, from what I can gather. You might know, you probably know better, because it sounds like you, yeah. So that's, I feel like they, yeah, the McCaskies, they they let them do their, they kind of let them do yeah. their thing, which I'm good with. Down to Ted Phillips, Ted Phillips to Ryan Pace. Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy. I, at, the, at the end of the day, though, Jim, I mean, Chicago is the third largest metropolis Market. here in the NFL. Like, and this is what you're putting out. Like, there's a reason there is all this backlash, and it's not even necessarily all about Andy Dalton. Like, Dalton is Dalton, but how does it get to this point, right? Like, how do you get to this point where you're scrambling for – a Hail Mary attempt at Russell Wilson or whatever the hell else you can get at that point in this game of musical chairs that we always talk about. And they get Andy Dalton. Like, how, you know, Do we just, need to... just give Allen Robinson whatever he wants a year ago. And maybe you are a little more appealing to somebody, right? Like, maybe that is part of the plan. Maybe you say, all right, we do have a top five wide receiver in Allen Robinson. Let's give him his money and let's look pretty damn appealing to a quarterback that may be available right now. Um, I mean, obviously the Russell Wilson situation is a little different. He, the Bears were on his list. But there were other options, and they just screwed this. I mean, it, it started with the draft, obviously, and passing on Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson, but they, they've, they've just botched this in every way, benching Trubisky when they did, thinking they were going to get something out of Nick Foles, giving him all that money. It's just... How many times have we said it? When you miss on a first-round quarterback, it sets you back so many years, whether you want to believe it or yeah. not. And this is what ends up happening. You're now, whatever. Purgatory. It's 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 torture, and now you're reaching. Now you start reaching, and you're hoping, and you're just and 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 honestly, you know, they're wasting their defense, and we wasted ours in Buffalo. Those, you know, we had a hell of a defense. You know, 14, 15. Those guys, that defense was, you know, was loaded. So, I, I've been there. And, and if you don't have the quarterback, you can't get it done. You just can't. And is Dalton that good? I, man, he hasn't showed it. I, I don't know what they think he's going to Are they going to not draft a guy? Are they just rolling with Andy Dalton? That'll be the next thing. We'll see. You know, that's why you have to just let this play out and yeah. see what they're going to do. And But Dalton sat there in a the press conference and said they told him he will be the starter. And and but a year ago the head coach wanted Nick Foles, and That's made right. it clear and made a power move to put Foles in over Trubisky, and because he knows the offense. So how'd that work out? 
that's what I don't understand. It's like everybody just keeps their job because they beat Jacksonville <laughs> at the end of the year. Like everybody just comes back. I, I, I don't, I don't know. Like it just is. Very strange what's happening oh. there in Chicago, and it doesn't make much sense. So well said. But I'm sure Green Bay, Minnesota, and Detroit are smiling right now. I like all those teams. I think in that division, or I actually like what those other teams are doing. And and it's the Bears are they're in trouble. I think in that division. Like, they are. I think they. I mean, you're looking at. Are you the Are you the worst team in that division? You have to say yes with that defense. With all those, I mean, they paid up for guys on defense. It's not oh, like, yeah. like they're. In win now mode on defense, and they went all in with Mac, right? I don't even know where the hell you are on offense. It's just a, just a cluster. Right. Raiders hit on them real quick. I mean, they're kind of in that same "what the hell are you doing" category. I mean, they just get rid of all of these linemen. They signed Kenyon Drake. They well, the two big signings the Raiders have made, Yannick, are Zay Jones and Nathan Peterman. That's true. And I feel like I feel like I should be working for the Raiders somehow. I, I need to reach out to them. But this is what Bills fans really need to smile about. Sit back, pour whatever drink you like, and smile. Because this is when you know you're a good football team. When other teams are signing guys, extensions, free agency, of guys you couldn't stand, couldn't even look at on the field. Like I know how Bills fans feel about Zay and Peterman, right? Never want to see him again. And the Raiders somehow see value in those two. Want to keep them around? The Bills are officially a good team. And that, that has to make you feel good as a fan and, and for the Pagulas. And, uh, they, you know, you do, you know, every team does that when you see another team sign a guy you didn't sign. Like, oh, okay, good job. Good luck. But, I mean, that's, a, that's such a true sign of where the Bills are at compared to where the Raiders are at in a couple years. Of the same almost, I think Mayock came in right around then when – Bean came in, and what a difference in where the Bills and Raiders are. Such a great point. It really is a sign of how good of a spot the Bills are in right now, how bad of a spot the Raiders are in right now, and nothing has made sense that John Gruden has done since day one. Nothing. <laughs> Did the 10-year contract make sense? It absolutely, I mean, look at <laughs> Mark, Mark Davis just doesn't know what the hell he's doing. It's, it's, it's remarkable how bad they've been managed in just about every way. I mean, the Khalil Mack trade ridiculous. I mean, for what? To draft Cleveland Farrell? What's he done? Don't even know he's on the team. Barely even know he's on the, barely even know he's on the team. Yep. Um, I mean, May, these guys are... And, and you know, and we talked about Mayock before. I always respected his work ethic and he wanted to get in this business and he did the... He did his work to know the rules and how it works and he was always, you know, he always was a scout at heart. But if you're never really working... If you're never on the inside, you, you just you need that experience. You do. I'm sorry, but like I'm tired of the, the TD guy getting the job over somebody like you, who's actually been in front offices his entire adult life. Give me a freaking break! Like, oh, so Mike 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 Mayock is on NFL Network and sounds smart and is very definitive in his predictions and his mock drafts. That means he's the, the general manager of an NFL team? Well, you're never held accountable in those positions where, you know, and, and to your point, he was always he always had conviction on his players. Hey, I wouldn't take that guy. I yeah. would take that guy. But who's really keeping track of that? And who's what, what happens? Does Mayock, does NFL Network say, uh, hey, Mike, that, that guy you said should go in the third round, you know, he went in the fifth round, you know, we're going to – no, nobody knows. Nobody right. knows what that is. It, it, it was funny working on that Mahomes story. Hey, go along. Yep. Go along TD.com. But uh, when you said how Terry was on to Patrick Mahomes early, you know, as early as October, November, no I mean, no doubt. I looked up the earliest that Mayock, McShay, and Kuyper did their rankings on that draft class, and they had, they all had Mahomes like four. Like, it was not – like, none of them saw anything in Mahomes. And if you can go back through Mayox, like, it's all on YouTube. I mean, there's all kinds of clips of, like you said, everybody hits, everybody misses. But, like, he, it was universally praised as this great hire. And it's like, you, there are so many incredible scouts and personnel men on teams who have put in the time, put in the work, that deserve that job more than Mayock, more than John Lynch with the San Francisco 49ers. There's another one. Like, <clears throat> 
Kyle Shanahan's running that show. I'm sorry. No doubt. It's Shanahan's show. But I don't know. No, you do know. You're you're dead on with this, and you're speaking about it more passionately than I really want to right now because, you know, I still do hope for a job someday. But (laughs) you're saying everything that's going through my mind, and it's really nice to hear. And I know you wouldn't do that unless you believed it. I mean it. You you talk to the players, and you talk to guys like like more from the Patriots who you're doing a good story on, Go Long, coming up. But you hear about coaches and GMs and front offices that are – you know, I would love to hear what Richie Incognito someday has to say about the Raiders, and it's just, we're going to get him on at some point, no doubt. And that's the that's unless you're there, you really don't understand. And Eric Wood did a great job, and and when yeah. we spoke with him, and he knew that we weren't structured right when we were there, and, and he was playing, and he saw the difference when Sean and Bean were together. And that's what I'm talking about. That's the those players know, they see it, they know what, and and that's what's these guys like the Bears and Raiders right now. That's, I don't know. I don't know. To your point, I did check in with a few Raiders players this offseason, and let's just say nobody had anything good to say about Mayock or Gruden. And they're both off socially. Right. It, it kind of right? came back to that. They're very strange, <clears throat> Mayock particularly, and awkward. Um, you know, I think I've heard. I think that might be the case with a lot of GMs. When I worked on that Vikings uh, story, go along. Um, it was posted in late November, but. That was what somebody said about Rick Spielman. He was kind of strange to walk by in the hallway. Like he, he, one player told me that he would literally walk by Rick Spielman in the hallway, and Spielman would just like put his head down. Yeah. And it was we like, like he he didn't want it. He didn't want any part of any conversation with him at all. And it's like, I, I get it. You might cut my ass, you know, tomorrow. But like, we can be human beings here. Like, there can be a little transparency. And, and to your point, I've, I've got that story on Kenny Moore coming. Uh, Friday, by the time people listen to this, they, they probably have read the story, but Chris Ballard with the Colts is transparent. Like, he does treat players as human beings, and you do have that. So it can be done, people. Like, you can treat players like human beings and not be strange and awkward. So after the draft every year, um, what the scouting world does is right in May, um, everybody, all the college scouts and GMs go down to Florida for uh, there's a scouting service called Blesto and National, two scouting services. Every team belongs to one of them. And it, you go down there and meet and you hear their kind of preview of the upcoming season. Okay. It's kind of the start of the new season up for the college football season. So Spielman was one of the teams, you know, we were, it was only about eight teams that were in Blesto. And so there's like eight tables were all there. And this always struck me as crazy. We were talking about Spielman being awkward, but you know, these meetings are, you know, the scouts are talking, the scouts for Blesto are talking, it's quiet. You have your, obviously your phone's on silent or vibrate. One guy, always, phone would go off, stands up, and walks out of the room. Spielman. <laughs> and it's like, we all would, every time that phone would go off, the whole room would kind of look at each other like, really? Like, you can't just put it on vibrate? Like, we get it. You're a GM. Like, you do have things you need to do. I get it. I'm not yeah, taking away yeah. that you do probably need to leave the room for something, but... You can't put the phone on vibrate. It has to stay. It might go to the elevator etiquette, the, the yes. shopping cart yes. etiquette. Like, if you're in a meeting, phone has to be on. Right. Yeah. Mayock and Spielman are probably elevator guys. They're probably they're rushing off. Right. Like you they're have no chance to get on. on. The no deplaning guys, shopping cart. I, I get it. Yeah. Which and he's been with the Vikings since. They've had a good run. They really, he's right. He's done well enough to keep his job. He has. I really do think he He has. He hasn't been able to find a quarterback. They've done basically everything else kind of right. I thought. I thought. You know, we've talked about with the Saints, like with Childress. You know, blowing that NFC Championship. That wasn't Spielman's fault. They were a loaded team. They could have won the Super Bowl that year. And Cousins is, you know, Cousins is good. Good enough to get you into the, you know, make a run. But is he good enough to get you over the top? He hasn't proven that. So, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I don't think he does. I don't know. I don't like to say he deserves to be fired, but he's socially awkward for sure. And how do these guys, how do players look at these guys? Like, you're running the team? Like, you're putting your head down when you walk by me? Like, that's just. That's, this was a player who had played for the Vikings. That should have known too. that he would have, yeah. Yeah. Very odd. And it's. I guess kind of the theme of this podcast, Jim, is good teams stay good and bad oh. teams stay bad, right? Like, 
The Raiders and Bears are going to be bad this year. The Bills are probably going to be good. There should be no reason the Bills aren't right. I mean, what do we look at the Bills? What are you looking? I mean, they haven't lost anybody. I know. I mean, this should be. Let's go. I mean, we're nitpicking a pass. We're nitpicking because and and because they 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 will also believe scheme wise they'll find a way to get guys sacks and yeah. they do have really good Leslie Frazier and McDermott they have histories of great defenses. Like, they've done this forever. You know what, though? The coaching has to reflect the decisions here because you add all these weapons. I mean, imagine if they get Zach Ertz. He'd be perfect for that offense. Zach Ertz still has football left in him. No I mean, last year's a wash. No Philly was a mess. mess. You look at his numbers up to last year, I mean, he's right there with Travis Kelsey and George Kittle. I mean, he's an elite tight end. You put him in that offense with Emmanuel Sanders, with Cole Beasley, with Stephon Diggs, I don't care whether it's Moss or Singletary, running back, whoever you have. It's pedal to the metal. It's we're going to score 30 to 35 points a game. And guess what? If it's fourth and one from the one in the AFC Championship game, for the love of God, don't kick a field goal. Like, I hope the coaching reflects the aggressive decisions on offense because you've got a team – Man, it's going to be fun to watch. Like, just throwing it all over the place. I bet you would have loved to have done, done that with your team. You did, but you, you couldn't with the quarterbacks that you had. You've got a quarterback who can do that and play that way and live that way and make transactions that way. The coaching's got to reflect it now. I, you know what? We all make – look, I talk about the misses we've had and how do you learn from those. And, and as a competitor, you always want that next crack, right? You don't want to just go away. Sean's a competitor. Sean's smart. I mean, hey, lesson learned. Let, let's, you know, let's give him a chance and see what happens this year. But, man, Ertz. Okay, but here's the best thing I was thinking about this. I love that they looked into Gronk. Yes. I love it. Because yes. guess what? You don't need Gronk. You don't need – sure, is Gronk your they – the, they don't need Gronk to be the Gronk from five, six years ago. They need the Gronk to be what he was in Tampa. Hey, we're going to give you probably four or five opportunities a game to make a play. And he still does that. And He was great. In the, he like, was in the everything you could yeah. want. Is, is he, can he run routes? No. Is he slow? Yes. Does he look like a Frankenstein just put together <laughs> out there? Yes. But guess nobody can stop. Stumbling around He's still on bigger than you. on a Saturday night. And that's where he wants to be. <laughs> like, there's a part of him that always wants that probably. <laughs> Maybe in the offseason. Maybe that Tampa lifestyle isn't too bad. But side note, before I forget, yes. Jim, I had a few tweets on this in an email. Yep. They want to hear about Sammy Watkins and those first couple years in Buffalo, what life was like for him off the field. We don't got to get into it now, but you know, Tyler, you you're a Chippewa. Well, your story on Sammy was probably more revealing than we even knew what was going on with him. We knew he wasn't happy. And Doug and I, Willie and I talked about this before. We after Actually, after your story, I mean, we were both kind of like, man, we knew he wasn't happy, but I know that, you know, we had Mike Williams from Syracuse that we had traded for. And, you know, I think everybody, anybody knows Mike Williams' history like you do. Um, he lives a hard life. And I think Sammy was hanging with him a little bit sometimes. And it was just a... Sammy was definitely just going through what he was going through, and we didn't really know the depths of what he was going through. And it makes a lot of sense now that I look back on it because, man, he looked miserable. Did he really, Danny? Scouting Sammy Watkins at Clemson, he never looked miserable to me. I mean, I remember seeing him. I mean, he was, you know, you knew about him when you're going in there as a freshman. You're like, oh, I can't look. Look at this guy they got. You're sitting out there with, you know, they got Martavis Bryant and DeAndre Hopkins. And you're watching practice, you're like, oh, my God, they're better than any three guys in the NFL could put out there as freshmen and sophomores. And I saw his joy and love for football. Sammy loves football. Like, don't – that's one thing. And he didn't love it. I saw it. Like, you could see the way he was just like, this sucks. And But I didn't – we didn't know how bad it was. I didn't either. I mean – we didn't, and that goes to show you, like that's, and, and you do such a great job with your stories with the Solomon Thomases and guys that are battling mental, you know, mental whatever. Not only say mental illness, but, but just things that are breaking you, depressing you almost. That, man, it, you know, Rex Ryan, Rex Ryan had a team uh, psychiatrist on board, you know, that was, 
and I don't know if it works or not. I don't. But I always like that about Rex. Like, hey, guys, if you do have some, you know, hey, talk to her. She's not going to tell anybody anything. Go and, and get your stuff out with her. And I always thought that was pretty – I thought that was a great move. I like that because these guys are dealing yeah. with a lot, even if it's personal, just family stuff. Totally. It's – I guess that's one good thing about Rex, too. He, oh. he would humanize the game Listen, Rex in Ryan, a game that would dehumanize guys a lot. Don't think for a second. We, we laugh sometimes about some of the stuff that, you know, it wasn't right. But Rex Ryan loves the players, loves football. He cares about the players. And, and they know that. And, and that's why they're going to give Rex every – like you heard the way Eric Wood talked. Oh, exactly. Eric Wood lo- so empowering. You can't deny that. So that, that, that always really respect that with Rex. Nice. I guess, you know, for people who do subscribe to go along and read my stories, I want that to really be what we are as a publication. Very player-centric and humanizing the game because there's a, a world out there that I think people don't really grasp or understand when they're plugging in their fantasy lineups or just reading tweets of this guy signed with that team and that guy signed with that. Like, um, like Kenny Moore, you mentioned with the Colts, like he he went through some stuff that people didn't even have a clue. Like he, here he is from Valdosta, Georgia. Yep. Doesn't play football until his senior year of high school. Incredible. Just plays at this D two school, gets a shot with the Patriots. And those four months with the Patriots, I mean, he was miserable. He hated it. He hated football. He hated life. He hated waking up in the morning and and being in this militaristic robotic lifestyle. And I said, Kenny, like, can you give me an example? Like, what is it like? He's like, dude, you've got to be there. Like, you have to live it. You have to experience it. I, there's nothing I could say that could really bring it to light, but I could not wait to get out of there. And he, here he is as a rookie. He's thinking this is life in the NFL everywhere. He's thinking this is just what it's like. So he goes to Indianapolis, and he's like that for a year. It took him a long time to get out of that. And if, by the time he did... He signs a contract. He suffers all these injuries in 2019. He's depressed again. Gets to 2020. Has a career year. He might be the best defensive back in football. He's right up there with this, his playmaking. And he's in a good spot now. And, and now I think he's finally ready to take control of his life and his career. But there's all this stuff behind the scenes that you'd never know as an outsider. I know a lot of companies, and especially like education too, like a lot of companies – when I say education, I'm talking about principals, teachers. They now have mental health days where, hey, I'm not sick. I need a day. They call it mental health days. So I just, I, you know, this is a job. The NFL is a job. Like, yes, it's a game. But these guys are going through. We don't, you don't know what's going on behind right. there. And, and every well, now and then. Sammy, his brother's getting involved in a huge insane, legal investigation. It's ridiculous. Right? All like, of his ridiculous. friends and family are, like, going to jail for life. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, that would F you up. You you can't you can't put a value on what that does to guys and where their heads are at and you know and I think the coaches the coaches at least show that they care about them those guys are great coaches and I you know I think Rex he cared about the players and that's why they always played hard for him. Does he get get another coaching opportunity? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think it would have happened by now. I think Rex might be head coach-wise. Now, his brother got a job. I saw the Ravens, inside linebacker coach. But his brother was never a head coach in the NFL. But Rex, they're they're twins. But I do see, you know, being around those guys, they are different. And, uh, you know, Rex, I'm sure he's doing fine. I mean, that that, that, he had a nice little. You're pretty nice to Rex for what he said about Doug. Look. Well, Rob Ryan said that. Oh, I'm sorry, Rob. Rob said that. I just assume they're the same. Rob person. Ryan said you're right, that. You're right. Doug Willie, the worst, or he said the worst personnel staff, worst GM in the history of football. But we can argue that. I mean, we're, <laughs> we were pretty good before Rob got there on defense, and it didn't go as well when Rob got there. So we could go back and forth on that with Rob. But Rex's Rex's career. When I see the way Ed Reed, I see some of these Hall of Fame players that love Rex. That tells me all I need to know. I'm. I, I can't. Rex Ryan is a hell of a football coach. He really is. Mark Scott would go to war for him. They love Rex. They love Rex. They do. And and you can't put a value on that. I'd like to see Rex get a shot as a D coordinator if he ever wanted one again. But he might. I don't know where he's at. I don't know where he's at financially or or if people want to. I don't know. I don't know. I wonder if he wants it. He, that's what I'm saying. He he might be past that or I don't know. 
what are you looking forward to? I mean, I, I guess like that mad rush of free agency is yeah. kind of like waning down. Yeah, now, it is. I, we still have the. I mean, this Watson Wilson stuff is still going to stay yeah. stay relevant here, and the draft obviously is going to pick up now. Once that's once that first wave goes away in free agency, now we're gonna now we're gonna hit the draft, and we're gonna start destroying guys in the draft and building guys up, and we'll hear all that crap. But I know I was going to start like doing some more draft stuff this week, and I'm like, ah, everybody's kind of going nuts with this free agency. So. You know, we had Roman Harper on our pod, you know, earlier, earlier, and uh, worked for SEC Network, and I was help, I was watching some tape with him on Georgia. He was doing the Georgia Pro Day, and we were watching guys on tape talking about it. And, you know, he was like, Jim, what? I don't know. Some of these guys, I don't. I know they, you know, they started Georgia, but I don't, I don't think they're going to be drafted. I'm like, yeah, Roman, it, it's, I know, it's. He's used to, he thinks he hears Georgia, and he's looking at all these defensive backs, and, and he, it, it was funny to hear him kind of say, "Well, I don't, am I missing on this guy?" I just, I'm like, no, you're fine. These guys, not all these guys get drafted. Like it's, it's hard to make it in the NFL, and and that's what I love about the draft is how you find guys, and we're going to talk about Chris Manhurts. Um, yes. Hopefully have him on next week. Maybe exactly. we're supposed to make that um, happen today. But you know, one of my all just yeah. We I exchanged texts with him the other day, congratulating him from Canisius uh, basketball, uh, Canisius, and uh, that story people are going to love. And, and when we get Chris on, this one's going to be good. Absolutely, it it is interesting this time of year, Jim. I got to open up a whole can of worms here as we wind down, but like. The idea of groupthink around the draft always fascinates me. You know, in, in the media, I think it, it, it's rampant, right? It's everybody's a draft expert. Everybody has <laughs> rankings and mock drafts and bullshit, and everybody kind of copies each other. Like with teams themselves, are you guys like? I mean, how do you stay true and stay original? and think for yourselves as a staff and not get caught up into that's what Kuiper's saying, that's what McShay's saying, let's take what they're saying and use it into what, I don't know. Like, like you've got to, like, think for yourself. You can't get caught up into the bullshit because there's a lot of bullshit right now. This time of year is the hardest when you're a scout and personnel for the draft because now the pro days are starting, right? I'll use I'll I'll just use this guy. It comes to mind is Tavon Austin from West Virginia, where when I was in New Orleans, now I didn't scout Tavon. He was in you know West. I was scouting the Southeast. He was West Virginia, so our Northeast scout, and some other people scouted him, but nobody nobody originally saw him as a top first round pick. Right? He's five eight. Tiny. Everybody knew tiny. Everybody knew he was special with the ball in his hands, but. Is he gonna is he gonna win those one on one battles with that lack of size? You know, is okay. The history of those guys, they don't go first round. Five eight receivers. He has that combine pro day. Oh my god. It took off. It took off. And I saw all the guys that were scouting him and are, you know, with the Saints, like whether they they were all kind of like, Well, oh, yeah, he might be better than we think. Maybe not in the second round, maybe first round. You know, they they started wavering or <laughs> No, don't it, it was it drives you crazy and it, it really tests you as a scout to stay true to what you saw on tape and, and are you okay with what you saw because it's hard when you see these guys running these times and jumping these verts and and you're like shit was I too hard on him like third round like he's putting up these numbers like and and everybody falls for it I always say it's like that I was talking to Roman Harper about this like Halle Berry got cheated on. <laughs> okay? Right? Like, every Halle Berry was, you know, David Justice was, a, this is, now we're dating ourselves a little bit. That might be too far back. Yeah, but just yeah. think of. You're old, Jim. That's a little old. But I'm just saying, that's that, Halle Berry ran that 4-2 at her pro day. Right? There can't be anything wrong with her. Well, guess what? She's been divorced. She's been broken up on. She's been cheated on. And it's hard. And it goes for, I'm saying guys too, but. Just that, that materialistic, how it looks. That's how I always say with pro days. Like, yeah. man, you might look good on the outside, but what's there in the inside? And that's what's going to separate you. And that's what you have to do on pro days. Like, yeah. separate that 4-2 from that, you know, that great-looking guy or girl that, that you, you think is going to be your future husband or wife and dig in and find out what's, what's, what's he or she all about. And, and that's how pro days are. You can't fall for that 4-2-40 all the time. And it's easy when, you know, you're flying in to – 
Morgantown, West Virginia. You're there. You see it with your own two eyeballs. You're falling in love. You see it up close, and it's like, holy crap. Hey, EJ, EJ Manuel. EJ Manuel, another one. I mean, you watch his pro day. Did you get a good pro day? Pretty. Really? Pretty. Like, I mean, what else do you want? 6'5", polished, just drilling, just driving balls, accurate, just boom, boom, boom. Like, it was just what you wanted. But Did they have a, so I was at the Senior Bowl in Mobile. Yeah. That, yeah, that we didn't even know each other. We no. could have had a beard beats, you know. What the hell, Jim? <laughs> we could have done it. I used, to see, I used to see Rex and Rob Ryan at Beats oh when I was God, a young yeah. scout. And I always was like, I didn't like uh, – Beats wasn't my style. So but dudes. I yeah. went there once and it's like – I think I actually saw yeah. them. And I was like, this isn't my scene. But The Senior Bowl, you're around so many guys for a whole week. You're ready to go home. That's You're look, ready. It's a lot of – Football is just yeah yeah. But EJ Manuel, that (laughs) Senior Bowl, like that was straight out of Colin Kaepernick just shredding the Packers for a buck eighty-one on the ground, maybe like close to three through the air. You're right, that was it. Like this is the future of the NFL. You better get a guy who can do a little read option stuff. I remember talking to EJ in Mobile, and he's like, "Yeah, I can do some of this stuff. Like I'm I'm talking to teams. Like I can be a threat. Like." Mixing it up, it kind of like was the seeds of his hype maybe were planted kind of early because of the Kaepernick stuff. But I'm trying to justify how in the hell Buddy Nix decided EJ Manuel should have been a first round because that draft was historically bad. I mean, it was a bad draft, and there's no quarterbacks. Eric Fisher's the top pick, then Luke Jokel after that. Like Ziggy Ansah was in the top five, I think. It was just terrible across the board. No talent, and lo and behold, that was the year that the Bills decided to draft a quarterback until Josh Allen, you know, down the road. But I don't know. I mean, I guess it was. You know, I know you had what, like a third round grade on him, fourth. Third, round grade. fourth. I thought just backup. You know, I thought he'd be a good backup in the NFL. See if he could develop into a starter because he. Yeah. Did, I mean, we, I hate. We. I feel like we talk about EJ a lot. Yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, you're not going to meet a harder worker. A smarter guy, a physically gifted guy. I mean, let's not take away his talent. The guy had ability, you know, but it goes to show you how hard it is to develop a quarterback who does need to develop, you know, and wrong place. We, did, I told, we didn't do everything right. For, I would love to have EJ on this podcast. On. I really would because I'd love to see what he, he has to say. Be honest about this all, I feel like. I mean, Sam Darnold, you know, I think Sam Darnold has more talent than EJ, and I do think – I still think Sam Darnold has a chance – Depending on the situation, but I mean, he, he needs to stop turning the ball over. But if he could fix, like, it's you have to get in the right, the right guy, right spot. Like, it really matters. It yeah. does really yeah. matter, and coaching matters for quarterbacks especially. How do you develop these guys, and who's ready to develop a quarterback? Like, who's had the history? Like, Andy Reid knows how to develop Donovan McNabb from a, you know, an option type quarterback to a West Coast offense. Where Andy Reid did it. So Andy Reid goes to KC. Hey, I can Patrick Mahomes. You kidding me? Yeah, let me work with him. Give me one year. Let me. Let, I need him to sit though. Boom. He learned. He went to Kid McCown. What's about a time? One. Thought about him for sure. He definitely did. No, he did. I mean, that's a, that's a fact. We talked about it, and because he fit. But but Andy Reid does know how to develop guys, and I do want to give him credit for that. Even though you know the whole McNabb thing we talked about, but he did develop those guys. AJ Feely. We. We had A.J. Feely come into Philly. That guy can't play. Andy Reid made him a play. We got, you know, we got a people traded. The, the Miami wanted him then. That's right. So, I'm just saying, like, there are certain coaches, you know, yeah. that, that do have a way of – I look at – I saw a remarkable stat. I think it was the last – Sean Payton, when Drew Brees is hurt, the last couple of years. Oh, 8-1, I think. So, what else do you want? Hill what else are we – what are we talking about? And you don't think Sean Payton's one of the? I mean, if people don't, that, that tells you everything you need to know. You don't have to overthink it. It's right in front of your face. I mean, I know we were poking fun at Jameis Winston last week, but like the, the more I thought about it, it's like Sean Payton's no. got to love this. He's got to love the idea of taking this challenge on and making it work. Now I can't. I don't know if he's going to let these two battle it out and pick one, or if he's going to do it. I can't imagine. I can't picture Coach Payton doing a two quarterback system. I, that doesn't make sense to me, but. If it if that's what he has to do to win, he'll do it. And and Winston obviously can throw the football. Like we know that. It's the other stuff that he needs to calm down on. Just can you 
can you get rid of the ball quick? Can you take a five-yard gain on first down? Not everything has to be down the field. Not everything has to be forced. Don't throw the picks. And, you know, it's going to be really cool to see Trubisky, guys like, you know, all these guys. And, and this is the new trend, right? We're seeing the new trend, right? The one-year deal, the 10 mil for Fitzpatrick that for however 25,000 years he's played football, hasn't played a playoff <laughs> game. Now people are picking Washington to win the Super Bowl. It's fascinating. It like, is. It is fascinating. Teams love the idea of having a cheap quarterback and spending like crazy around the quarterback. And to your point, what you just said, coaches want to prove I could. So Washington, yeah. however many teams Fitzpatrick played for, Washington has the staff <laughs> that's going to get him. We're going to get him right. We're, we're a pro Fitz podcast. And do, and I'll do they kick have, you out of this podcast. I love Fitz yeah. as my backup. Okay. But don't look past Taylor Heineke too. The way he played in that playoff game. This is the best thing about Tom Brady. Okay, we're talking right. What he just did is incredible. They could have lost. They they that game was that was a good game. I remember that right? night. I think um, we we put our daughter down and it's a rough night. I'm like I'm gonna go to bed. You know this game's over. I remember like legitimately looking at the score. And, yeah, maybe I should head back down to the man cave and have a few beers and watch this game because he made it a game. Taylor Heineke made that a game. They could have won that game. If 100%. I if I drink one more Hoptimonium, <laughs> I would sign Taylor Heineke for $12 million to be my franchise quarterback this year. That's how good he played in that game. But I need one more Hoptimonium because it is an awesome beer. And in pure Twitter fashion, as he is having this career moment, everybody's finding old tweets that they deem offensive. So <laughs> Wait. I'm glad that the soldiers were out there doing their good work. Thank you, all of you. But here's my favorite part about about Taylor Heineke that almost beat Brady in the playoffs. He was a backup in the XFL to Jordan Tamu in, in um, St. Louis. That's right. And, I mean, this is why this – that's why everybody wants to be a scout or a GM. Because – you can't, you can't, you can't not laugh at this stuff. I mean, oh Heineke almost beat Brady and was a backup in the XFL. <laughs> I don't know. I, I totally forgot that. That's I'm nuts. Just, it's nuts. He couldn't even get on the field. <laughs> we haven't really gone into your XFL days either. But like, yeah, you were there. Good story. Yeah. Maybe next episode. Hey, if I got plenty of stories, working Mike Martz, so we we got it I all. I love it. I love it. Well, good Jim, stuff. Yeah, I can't man. thank you enough, man. Always. always this is awesome. I love being at Hamburg Brewing, it's though. Great. Oh, absolutely. Everybody, get on down here. Yeah, they're the they're doing some good things. It's looking good around here. There's feels lot. It feels alive. Isn't it great to have this? The world. What happens when you have good beer and good food and March Madness? Their beef on Wick is incredible here too. I gotta Ooh, say, I was just talking to the manager. It is improved to the upteenth degree. So the food goes well with the beer. And we're going to see you down here soon. we got to do some live shows. I'd like to see UCLA beat Michigan State tonight, but if they don't, the Hoptimonium will help me sleep. You know we, you know what we should do at the end of every podcast is me and you should place a bet. You're the gambler. I don't gamble. Well, You want to want to throw down on this game tonight? No. but I'll throw down I on mean, Michigan I already State. threw down. Okay. But could we have our our – Son and daughter, could they make picks too? Because they might pick better than than we. Oh, pick. absolutely! I'll have Ella picking games left and right. Walter will do better than I will. Let's do it. I'll take Michigan State. Cheers! I got Let's you, All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. That was a lot of fun. As always, be sure to subscribe. GoAlongTD.com. Subscribe now. Free hoodie. Free crew. Vince Williams on the happy hour Friday night. I mean, it's gonna be awesome. Such such a good dude. You're gonna. You're going to love talking to me. It's a throwback. So subscribe, hang out with Vince, and we will catch you next week. Uh,